On this missions day, we're really grateful to have uh, a former Harrisburg BIC missionary to share the word with us. Uh, Yvette Jones, our wonderful sister, and her husband, uh, Joseph, served in Asia for several years, from 2014 to 2017. And now they're in Fresno, California. She'll tell you a little bit more about that, where Joseph's serving as president of Fresno Pacific University. Uh, their two daughters, Twyla Glenn and Hava Brown, Hava's here in this service, uh, are, are um, their daughters, part of our church. So we have a, a, an ongoing connection with them, even though they're far away. Um, early in life, Yvette encountered some serious pain, and she, uh, as a result of that, has written a book that we have available this morning at a book table for purchase, The Pursuit of Love, and she tells her story uh, there and uh, encourages us to seek uh, freedom through the power of forgiveness. So we encourage you to check that out. It's $10 a copy until they're gone. Um, but this morning, it's my privilege to introduce um, our friend Yvette, our sister Yvette. She's a great woman of God, and she has a powerful word of God for us. So welcome her. Please pray with me. Father, we come before you right now, Lord, because we know that apart from you, we can do nothing. And everything that you have given us, you have given us for your glory. And so I commit my mouth to you, Father, that once again your boldness and your confidence would show forth, Lord, that that which you would have every heart to hear in this place, that they would hear what your spirit would say, Father. And we just thank you so much for using us as your instruments in these last days where lights have gone out, where darkness has creeped in, and many of your people, Lord God, have not been shining the lights that you have given them. And so thank you, Father, for the privilege to be your mouthpiece again today to challenge your people to be a light shining on your glory in this world today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Good, I should say almost good afternoon. And in California, it is early in the morning. <laughs> But I am just so thankful that the Lord has given me this privilege to come and be a mouthpiece for him once again to challenge you on this mission Sunday. I'd like to call it a call day, a day of calling those who have been sitting complacent, comfortable, and have been distracted by the calling on your life. And many times those distractions create fear in you not to go when God says go. Everyone is not called to go into a foreign field, but you are called. Is anyone confused about being called? Do you understand what it means to be called? We just sang a song, Here I Am. Here I am to worship. How do you worship God in the practical sense? Because we sing these songs and we honor him with our mouths. But when it's time for the rubber to meet the road, he can't find us. And I was one of those that I just loved all the songs here I am to worship. I surrender all to Jesus. I'll go wherever you say to go. 
until the day when my husband walked in a room with a joy on his face that I knew was from heaven. And he was so bubbly. Now, my husband makes cool hand Luke look not cool because nothing really frazzles him much. And when this guy comes out with some kind of emotion, I know to take heed to it. So he pops in this room and he says, Hun, hun, the Lord woke me up 3 o'clock this morning. And he said, I think he's opening up a door for us to go to Pakistan. I said, Paco, what? <laughs> he said, Pakistan. And all I can think of was the fearful things that I accumulated from the latest news. And the number one thing was terrorists, being a woman, and then being an African-American woman. And so it took many months and, and, and almost a year for the Lord to break me from myself to surrender to the call that he had called both of us to. And the reminder that did it for me now, have any of you gone through a time of breaking when you knew God was breaking you? Breaking, you just cry. You don't know why you're crying. And everything, you walk into a church and you're just crying. And I just had this, this spirit of weeping constantly upon me. And then the Lord, I could hear this still small voice said, Yvette, remember when you wrote your wedding vows? Now this was at that time over 35 years ago. He said, it was good to write your wedding vows from the scriptures. And I said, yeah, because I really felt holy. I felt like, you know, I took my wedding vows from the scriptures and not the traditional wedding vows. And I went to the book of Ruth, and I found these words that were so appropriate for a wedding. Where thou goest, I will go. And I never thought that I would read the words in Ecclesiastes. Now, we're talking about being a light now. How many of you have read in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, have you heard these words? Because I know some of you, your feet are going to get stepped on in here, and it won't be me stepping on them. Okay, I'm just a mouthpiece, and I'm going to proclaim to you what he says, whether you like it or not. You have to give accountability for how you're using these lives that he created for his glory. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, listen what it says. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. How many times... Have we said, Lord, I'll go if you would just give me that house, if you would just give me that car, if you would just give me that husband? How many times have we made a vow? Well, the vow hit me in the face, and I thought that vow was so long ago. That was over 35 years ago. I've been married almost 39 years now, but that vow was a long time ago. But he said, you know what? It's still active with me. So I said, okay. And then I heard him say, 
And I want you to listen to this scripture because he's saying the same thing to you. And he says, who can I send? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, here I am. Send me. And he said, go, Isaiah 6, 8. Now, I just said, Lord, you, I know you wouldn't give me more than I can bear. But I'm a woman. It's okay. My husband can go to Pakistan and get away with it. But I'm a woman. They don't like women. They like them for their, their doormats. They like them for dowries. They like them to control them. But they, they have a problem with a woman. And it, because of a woman, they got here. <laughs> and so I just knew I had all this baggage. And I'd done some research about the plight of women in Southeast Asia. And so I'm having to face these fears. Because all of a sudden, fear is coming in on me like a tsunami. And then I'm thinking about, i got to deal with terrorist attacks, and then I can't change the color of my skin. It is what it is. And I didn't even know the methods to change it until I moved to Pakistan. Because I've had so many women that even worked for me there that said, ma'am, I am, your complexion are darker. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, we, we use bleaching. We bleach our skin to be accepted. And the lighter we can get, the more accepted we are. And so my executive assistant came in my office one day, and it's 120 degrees outside, and she has socks on with thong sandals. And I said, honey, what? I, I, to fill me in. And she said, well, ma'am, I just had enough bleaching for my face and my hands. And so I have to wear socks to cover my feet. So here I'm already dark-skinned, and I'm going into this country, and I'm wondering, what persecution am I going to deal with? The Lord would not give me more than I can bear. So anyway, I go with boldness and confidence in God that he was my confidence and that I can go and I can do this. I could be a helpmeet for my husband. I can be an encourager, and I can compliment him with the gifts and talents that were given to me. So I said, okay, Lord, Pakistan it is. So we leave for Lahore, Pakistan, and I said, okay, what am I to do? You know, because women like me that actually are called to be the crown and the complimenter of their husbands often feel left out of the call. But that's not always so. Because for everywhere that he makes way for a king, the queen is right beside him. Same plane. It's just that I know my role, and my role is never a competitive role. It's always to compliment, to give, make him shine. So he thinks I have such boldness that I could make him shine wherever I go. But I went there, and I was depressed for the first six months. After I set up the house, because I had been a woman that has been in leadership for years, and I had been active and wherever he had sent me, I said, what do you want me to do, Lord? 
I said, well, I'll teach art to, to the children. And so I now volunteer to teach even in the nursery on campus because on the campus, I was a part of Foreman Christian College, which was the only Christian university in the country. And the Presbyterian Church in America had established a lab school on campus. And the government established a daycare center that they'd asked me to be involved in getting these things established. And in the, in the midst of this crying, complaining, what shall I do? I heard the words that the Lord said to Moses as he is saying to you today, what is in your hand? What do you already have that he could use wherever you're at? Moses had a staff. All I had was love. I knew how to love on people. I knew how to be a surrogate mother to those who needed a mother. I knew how to motivate people and to encourage them to get God's best for their life. So he said, just shine the light I gave you. Get it from up under whatever you're hiding it under. He said, there's a lot of things that his children are hiding lights under that he created to be a light on a stand to shine and direct people to him, not them. So, I said, okay, I'll give hope. I'll work with empowering women. And then so many people began to ask me from, my husband was the second tier leadership there on the campus, but the rector who came from Wheaton, Illinois, where we were, he asked me to do him a favor. And he said, Yvette, if you would please consider and pray about it of taking over my advancement department and just get it in order. He said it's in chaos right now. Well, I didn't know what chaos meant in Pakistani terms. Chaos, honey, we have no idea what chaos means in America. Because when I took over that department, I prayed about it. And now let me tell you the prayer, the answer I got. Because I had been in retirement for uh, several years. And I prayed and I just said, Lord, you know, I've been in retirement. And I talked to my father as if he's right there. I said, now, I've been in retirement for all these years. I haven't run a nonprofit organization in years. I haven't managed departments in years. You know, Lord. And he said, I did not retire you. I didn't bury those gifts. He said, well, tell you what, Yvette, would you just give them the crumbs? Would you give them just the crumbs of the knowledge I gave you of how to do things? how to lead, how to fundraise, how to act professional. Would you just give them the crumbs? Well, how can I say no to that? So I said yes. And before I knew it, I'm, I'm in this department, and I've got 10 guys and four women. And I have a few Christians amongst that group. But Muslims were against Christians, and there was so much hostility that the chaos was threatening. And I was ready to walk out. I just said, oh my God. And everybody had a servant, a part of that team. They had someone doing their job that was a student. 
and parties were going on, orgies were going on in that office suite at night, and all the stories that I started hearing after I said yes. I said, man, Lord, it's going to take a miracle. And so he said, be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove, wherever I send you. So wisdom said, okay, teach them in the areas of their weaknesses my principles. Well, you know in Pakistan, blasphemy is death. If you, I mean, if someone accuses you of blasphemy, you're going to die. You cannot even prosthesize there. So you have to be wise to present the gospel of Christ there. Else, if someone rises up against you, you're going to jail for life, and then they're going to kill you. And so I just said, Lord, I'm just not going to fear. I'm going to be Esther today. If I perish, I perish. So I called Monday morning staff meetings. I heard that their punctuality went through the wall. They showed up at meetings at 9 o'clock, meetings at 10. I said, this is not happening on my watch because I do not play when it comes to leading. So I told them, I said, I want you at staff meeting at 9 o'clock. Of course, these guys, you know, they, who, who's this lady? And we got a woman leading us? And it's a dark-skinned woman, but she's American? Well, they didn't know who, who the sweet mama that they were messing with. They didn't know I grew up in the hood in New York City. And they didn't know I was street smart. Just education tapered a lot of stuff down, and Christ remolded it. So I, I, I wait, and they think, oh, we got somebody that's like a little mama for us. Yeah, but I'm the vice rector's wife. So they come in the meetings five minutes after nine, meetings nine o'clock, and I said, now I'm going to tell you all from this day forth, if you come in my meeting one minute after nine, you will pay a penalty. And I am going to collect money from you that you're going to throw the whole office a party. <laughs> so they would wait to see who was going to come in late and who was betting. And after six months, they knew I was no joke. They got in that meeting on time. I said, okay, the leadership essential I'm going to teach you today it's Luke 6, and I didn't tell them the scriptures. They didn't know that I was feeding them God's word, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You give it to them whatever way you can, but you give them the word. So I taught them Luke 6:31. How you want people to treat you, you need to do likewise. Because what was happening is the men were talking over the women, and they wouldn't let the women talk, and then they were getting angry with each other, and they were talking about, well, they're Muslim, and Muslims always look down on Christians, and they think we're all street sweepers, and we're all brick makers, and all that. And I said, hold it. What's the mission of this university? They didn't even know the mission. I said, y'all have moved away from the mission. Sometimes we need to come back to the mission. Well, why are we here? They moved from the mission. I said, it's not your mission by love, serve one another. How are you all doing that? But, but man, you know, she thinks she's better than us because she looks down on it. Oh, In any way, the Lord kept spoon-feeding them and letting me teach them about respect, about punctuality, because I'm in a lawless nation. Anything goes. 
And I was able to feed them to the point that I said, I want music in this, in this office suite. When I come in the morning, I want to hear music. Put some praise on. I don't care what you put on, but let me hear some music. Because a merry heart does good like medicine. And they were such a bad representation on that campus of this advancement department that I became the chief advancement officer to the point that everyone was in awe of what had happened and how things had changed. And they got such respect. But to whom much is given, much is required. There were so much to be done on this campus that I had to cry with the other Christian missionaries of, Lord, we can't do it all. We're burning out. Because upon taking on that department, I was asked to take on other departments, and I was asked to do other projects till I became ill. And I just said, Father, the harvest is plenteous. There's so much work for all of us to do. But the laborers are few. I couldn't teach all the kids art every day, every class from KG up to sixth grade. 30 kids per class. The labors are few. Lord, you've got to send more over. And then people would ask me, well, if African Americans are still alive, and they all didn't die in slavery, how come they don't come? I think we were the only ones in the country. And I said, I'm asking the father that too. And he said, let me tell you what the problem is. You go to Judges chapter 7. And when you all get a chance to read Judges chapter 7, I'm going to read just this portion to you. But you must read Judges chapter 7. And those of you who don't know how to find it, ask someone. They'll be glad to walk you through the scriptures. When, now therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, this is what God told Gideon, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once. And 22,000 returned home out of 32,000 that were facing an army of 135,000. So now they are reduced now down, and God says, that's still too much. Bring them, bring them down to 300. So 300 facing 135,000, you're in the center of fear. And fear is all around you. And God says, I cannot use the fearful because fear paralyzes and it keeps them from going forward. So what has paralyzed you? What has kept you uh, from going where God says go? Now, you don't have to go outside your community sometimes. Neighbors don't even talk to neighbors no more today. Everybody drives in their garage, pulls it down behind them, and goes in their house. You got a mission field right here. How many don't talk to the ones that offended them within the family of God? And the world is watching us. They're, they need to see the light. It's gross darkness, and that darkness, our problem is not racism. 
Our problem is not political parties. Our problem is not socioeconomic status. Our problem is a spiritual battle. And that battle is that the world is watching the Christians and seeing who's going to stand for the light that gave them light. And they don't see them. And they say, well, where, where are the lights? Because if you go with me to Ephesians, go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Hear what the Lord says. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, I'm going to read this to you because you need to hear this. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done in, by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Is your light broken? Is your light hidden? You're supposed to be an example. You're supposed to walk the walk. The talk is cheap today. The devil knows the scriptures. God is looking for lights. People that are kind, are forgiving, are gentle. It grieved my heart and my journey in a higher education of seeing how many times we have heard of or I knew of faculty or people that in departments that held grievances for over 10 years. How can we tell a world to forgive if we're not? Huh? We're supposed to be examples for each other and others. Why don't we sit close? I see it in Pakistan. I've seen it in Kyrgyzstan. I've seen it in China. I've seen it around the world in the body of Christ in the churches. No one sits close together. Do y'all stink? <laughs> How are we going to spend eternity together if we won't link our lights up? Now, how do you feel when you go string a, a string of Christmas lights and a whole section's out? What do you do? You either replace that whole string. Well, that's what we look like to him globally. And he's saying if they are not linking their lights up and infiltrate this darkness of this world by showing my love, showing my character, if they're not doing it, we don't have a chance. This world needs our lights. My husband and I were called to Fresno Pacific at a time we didn't know that we would be coming back to America so soon. And we were called to bring a light of hope in the valley. 54% of our student body is on scholarships. These are migrant workers' kids. These are those that could not afford a college education. And we deal with a lot of poverty in the valley but God said, you need to go and repair 
the light of Fresno Pacific University that needs to promote the mission that with God, all things are possible. Yes. We can't go without his light lightening us up. But when he gives us light, are we letting the dreams and the passions of this world smother our light? What's your light? Can someone look at you for hope? Why is suicide so high today? Huh? Somebody is not shining what was given to them to shine. I'm talking to you because God gave me boldness. And he gave me confidence in him to challenge you to go for God. You cannot go with a broken light because then they'll stumble and you'll be like the blind leading the blind. And so I want to close with this word that you must hear if you have any confusion. And those of you that are confused, then that means that either you didn't accept his light or receive his light, and you don't have to leave this place without his light, but we were created to be lights because you know how you feel when the lights go out on you. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light. You are the light of the world. A city that is on a hill cannot be hid, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What good are you doing to pay for the space you take up on planet Earth? What good are you doing? Is your life all about you? Are you part of the me, 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 me society? Or are you going to say, here am I, Lord, send me? I want you to listen to this piece that we're playing, and these are some slides of just a brief synopsis of some of the things that I was involved in in Pakistan. But listen to the song.
light of the world, giver of hope. As Yvette has said, if God calls you to be a missionary in another place, another nation, will you go? If you're thinking God may be calling you, please take time today to talk to one of the staff or to talk to me or my wife, Jolene. I'm John Hawbaker, and Jolene and I work as volunteers with Brethren in Christ World Missions. We have a display table in the lobby. We'd love to talk to you. God is speaking these days about things that really matter. And if God allows you to stay here in the United States, what kind of light will you be here? Fundamental issues. Now, if we were to talk about the local church in US and ask what are some of the important things a healthy church ought to be doing, you could give a pretty good list of many things. I hope that one of those things on your list would be involvement in world evangelization or worldwide missions. I have a photo I'd like you to see. It will come up on the screen now. Aviation engineers are working with various kinds of aircraft, and here's a new one. It's in the planning stage. It has a long, fancy name. Here it is. The church that does only local ministry and doesn't give world missions a second thought. How's that for the name of that airplane? Or we could modify the name a little bit. The individual believer who is only involved in the local ministry and doesn't give world missions a second thought. Let me tell you, a plane like that may look good, but in the kingdom of God, it will not fly. God calls every person, every believer, to be involved in world missions in one way or another, or maybe in several ways. I thank God that involvement in world missions has been and is an important part of the DNA of this local church, praise the Lord. We participate in missions in a variety of ways, and today one of the opportunities is for you to give financially. We have 11 missionary units uh, out serving from our church. Have you noticed the insert that was in your bulletin, the folded piece with photos and descriptions of the 11 units I'm talking about? A unit, of course, is either an individual or a married couple or a family. Uh, 19 adults, 11 units, two of them serving in the U.S., the rest of them serving around the world. The details are given there. And so, Keith, you may put down our takeaway. I think the airplane, we've perhaps seen enough of that. So we're going to take an offering now. Yes, I know we had an offering earlier. That was the general offering for the work of the church. But this is a special missions offering that we divided among the missionaries we've sent out, the ones on this insert that you see here. Our goal for the offering is $10,000. Would you turn to a neighbor and say that? Say $10,000. Right, that's good. Now would you turn to a neighbor and say, that's easy. Well, yes, it's easy if we listen carefully to God and if we act on what he says. It is a big amount, I know, and I can't give all of it, and I'm not asking any of you to give all of it, but together, let's see what God will do. So in the next few minutes, I'm going to pray and ask God to speak to me and you about what we should give. We encourage you to give generously. Uh, who knows? God may prompt you to give sacrificially. Do you know what sacrificial giving is? Here's what it is. It means giving up or postponing something I want for myself so that I have more to give to the work of God. That's sacrificial giving. It's not necessarily heroic. It's not necessarily gigantic. But it means something. 
giving up or postponing something. So obviously you may give by cash or check, and if you're not prepared to give at this moment, our treasurer will keep the account open for two weeks, so you may send in an offering or bring it back next Sunday. Just be sure to mark your donation carefully for missions, and the treasurer, will, the office and the treasurer will know exactly that it goes toward this project. So let's pray. God, you're speaking to us in all kinds of ways, and we thank you and praise you. We want to hear your word clearly. We want to walk in the truth and walk in the light and walk in love. And in this offering time, help me, help each of us to know what it is you want us to give. Thank you that we can participate with these workers through prayer and through sending them encouraging words and also through this financial offering. And so whatever you say to us, Lord, we will do it in Jesus' name. Amen. So now complete your plan for giving, whether it's cash or check, whatever it is. And our offering today for missions will be a marching offering or a walking offering, the kind of offering that's done regularly around the world in many churches in the majority world. And so that means here on the communion table, we have a display of many beautiful things about culture and about the gospel, but a large basket in the center is the offering basket. And so the music team will come either to sing or to lead us in a song, whatever their plan is. And while that's happening, we'll come and place our offering in the basket. There's no plan as to when you come. It's wonderful chaos. Come whenever you wish. Just don't trample on anyone else. <laughs>